This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. If it's your first time listening, not welcome back, just welcome. Uh, we are answering questions on anxiety. And today my wife is with me, Brianne Fueling. Uh, mm-hmm. Brianne, tell us a little bit about your counseling practice, what you do, get a little bit of context for your reason for being even here to answer this question. All right. So I am a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Illinois, and I have a master's in counseling psychology and an undergraduate in counseling I have been in practice. This is actually my 10th year in practice. and You're old. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, and I've had the opportunity to work in a couple different places, lots of varied populations and demographics, and it's something I still really enjoy. And so I'd say that anxiety is – I haven't kept statistics, but I feel like it's probably the number one thing that I've had the opportunity to work with people in. And as we are recording this podcast, I've actually gotten three text messages from people talking about their anxiety. They really? don't even know I'm here. So, yes, it's a, something that I personally have also felt probably a, a lot more than a lot of the other subjects that I work with people on. And so I think personally, professionally, it's something that we look at. Mm, totally unrelated. I got a, an email this morning. I'd like to read it. This is actually a woman writing me an email about a Christian comedian. And here's what she says. A woman approached her at the end of the concert saying that she should not include talk about taking medication for depression as it makes her look weak and unfaithful. She, the comedian, suggested the woman should take off her glasses and then drive home. (laughs) That was funny. All right. So just as as a follower of Christ, as somebody who believes in the sufficiency of Christ, who believes in the authority of God's word, um, but also lives in this world of counseling who is well-studied research. You've met with a lot of people. You deal with anxiety on a daily basis with other people. Um, how how do you even begin to answer this question when somebody says, I, I need medication, or uh, when do you even discern to refer so that they can get you know yeah. different kinds so, of help? I have so many thoughts on this, and I am just praying that they come out clearly. The first thought is the subject of medication and anxiety is something that is very personally tailored to everyone's individual situation. And so we're going to talk today in kind of blanket statements, but that's really not fair because it's not really not the way it works in the real world. And so um, when anyone is experiencing repeated anxiety, there's a couple things that we look at. One is we look at um, if there's a catalyst for this, an activating event that makes a lot of sense, right? And so we have different transitions, different challenges, different um, sad situations in our life that can kind of be the activating event for the way that we're feeling. If there have been a lot, uh, there's different resources that we use to be able to identify the weight of this. And if there's been a lot of transitions or sadnesses or feelings of being out of control, then we can understand why maybe anxiety is building and there's a cause and effect there and that makes a lot of sense to what the catalyst is. Sometimes, though, there's anxiety that builds in our bodies and in our minds um, that doesn't have a catalyst. And so we like to look at those situations and be able to say, okay, where is this coming from and why has this kind of taken over and become a part of your life when it doesn't appear that there's some big transition or change that has made this come in? And so when we look at medication for anxiety, that's kind of where we start. What is going on in your life? What what burden are you bearing? What um, things have you experienced? And what does life look like for you right now? When we see a catalyst, 
we oftentimes work at it in a different way at the beginning than sometimes if we don't see catalysts. Sometimes we, we do the same. And so one of the greatest opportunities in medication for anxiety, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this a little bit backwards because I will say that I'm actually very slow to encourage people um, to take medication for their anxiety, not because I don't believe in the medication part, but because what I have seen again and again is I've never articulated this before, but there is a kind of a ripe time for a medication. And there's some times when medication can sometimes actually do more harm than it can do good. Medication basically helps to restore your brain chemical function and give you a turbo boost in the right direction. One of the beautiful things about our brain is that it has the ability by the choices that we make and the thoughts that we think or don't think and the way that we forge through life to rewire itself, to um, change its chemical structure by the, our choices and by the way we think. And so sometimes when we're in a position of experiencing anxiety on smaller levels, we have the opportunity to think differently about things and to make different choices that can cause our brain to respond in a way that builds health and restoration back into the way that we're actually functioning. And sometimes it has just become such so much of a hot mess in our brain that the medication is the biggest blessing to be able to step in and turbo boost this in the right direction so that then by our choices, we can continue to allow that to happen. So one of the things I appreciate about you is that you are slow to advocate that somebody take medication for anxiety. Totally. So what would be, give me an example of a scenario that you have advocated today. You know, I think you should go see somebody else who could plausibly refer you for medication. Mm -hmm. Give me a scenario well, that I might look like. I'd like to say, just to start off with, that almost anyone who come, well, pretty much actually every single person who comes in to talk to me about anxiety, I encourage them to go to their primary care physician and just have a general blood panel done and let mm -hmm. their primary care physician know What's going on? Because there are a lot of physical causes of anxiety and depression that can show up on blood tests and really? some That's tests cool. like that. And mm. so we can begin to see, like, we look at your vitamin D also. We look at a bunch of different ways that your body is processing different nutrients because those can have consequences in your emotions super quickly. It's not that up to this point we haven't involved a healthcare professional at all. I really almost pretty much demand that people bring their primary care physician doctor in on this because time and time again, I have seen people come in with anxiety and depression symptoms that are maybe, if not caused by, but very much exacerbated by their lack of vitamin D or mm. different things like that that are very simple, easy fix. But you don't feel that in your body. You just feel it show up in your emotions. So what is a situation where I would encourage someone a lot of times, it just kind of depends because people come into counseling at all different entry levels of what they've been experiencing. The wisest time, this is like a public service announcement slash commercial, uh, the wisest time for you to pursue help from someone is one, it is not a big deal mm. because small deals turn into big deals very quickly. And sometimes small deals turn into big deals very slowly and we forgot what being healthy feels like. Mm. And we have to get back to that place and we have to remind ourselves that actually we don't have to live with this anxiety all the time. We can really make some pointed efforts to fight that. Someone who I encourage you to take medication is someone who has been really working hard on rebuilding the way that their cognitions or their thinking patterns are 
are coming. And um, I, we have a couple other podcasts that we've done on anxiety, so I won't go exclusively into how we deal with anxiety at this point. But there is a lot that we can do to work on our thinking very tangible activities, very tangible therapeutic work to be able to see that um, affect our behavior and the way that we're feeling with our anxiety very, sometimes very quickly, and sometimes it takes a long time. I really believe that anxiety is an emotion that God created to give us as a warning signal that something that is going on either in our bodies or in our minds or most of the time, a combination of both, that we are feeling out of control in something mm. and um He's asking for control of that area in our lives. Mm. And it's something he's given us as a little red flag to be able to say, actually, look at that. I want to be God over that also and for you to work with me on that and see how I can show up in the midst of that. Mm. And so I encourage people to take medication when we've been working on something for a little bit. And it just seems to be an overwhelming experience that they cannot persevere. Not that they can't persevere through. I'll take that back. That they can't seem to effectuate a change. At that point, I often find that when we work with a primary health care doctor that I really do think compared to a psychiatrist that the primary health care doctor is the best avenue, first avenue of entry for anxiety because they have a much gentler dosing chart generally. Hmm. One of my experiences with psychiatrists is that this is the world that they live in and they live on a pain scale. So just like if you went to the emergency room and you said that your knee was a 17 on a scale of one to 10, hmm. part of the emergency rooms and the medical staff, their, their job is to get your pain level managed. That's one of the ways they're being checked up on. That's one of the ways that they're being rated on is how fast and efficiently they were able to manage your pain. And when we go into the emotional world and the world of mental health, it's actually no different. And so when we look at psychiatrists, their goal oftentimes is to get that pain to go away, get the anxiety to go away, not necessarily um, really effectively manage the cause of what the anxiety is. And so my ex personal experience with psychiatrists and with my clients is that they often over-medicate because they are trying to get the person to be numb so they don't have to experience anxiety anymore. Mm. But that actually most of the time does not take away the cause of the problem. Just like if you're in, in the emergency room and they just left you not feeling any knee pain, but you had a giant gash in your knee, they hadn't taken care of the genesis of the problem. They'd mm. only taken care of the consequences of the problem. Mm. And so I actually really prefer most of the time that primary care physician because I feel like in general they are very – in tune with their patients more and offer lower dosages, which I think can often be a more appropriate starting point for someone. So I feel like I hear people on medication for years on end. Yes, that's a great part of the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just how should I even think about that? I mean, is medication temporary? Can so it again, be permanent? that is just such a personal, individualized situation by situation. But I will say, again, generally, another value in the healthcare system is, again, to not feel any of the anxiety or the depression. And so it is not always to work on the thinking patterns, the cognitive distortions that are going into maybe helping support the anxiety. A lot of times they will just continue to keep someone on medication as long as any of those symptoms continue. And so that could be, in some ways, I think it has to be lifelong if you're not going to work on what is causing mm. the issue, right? Like mm -hmm. I wouldn't expect the symptom to go away if you haven't gotten to like the root cause. Mm. I oftentimes encourage people to tell their healthcare professionals, hey, you know what? I am not looking to be on this medication for like the rest of my life. I am looking to use this as a tool to get me to a different place. 
And then so when we get there, we can look at what that looks like. And um, again, there's all sorts of individualized interactions of different mental health disorders that may come into play with that that might just make a totally different situation for someone to have to be on medication for the rest of their lives. But by and large, I'm speaking to the general population who are dealing with anxiety on a, a couple time a week basis, a couple time a month basis, and what we seek to be able to equip them with to be able to get over that hurdle and to get to a place where they are not being run by this feeling of anxiety and losing control mm. all the time. Mm. Do you find that for the most part, if people will do hard things, that a lot of their anxiety over time can be managed well? Absolutely. So I will say, I don't actually have like a research statistic for this. My professors in grad school would not be proud at this moment. But um, <laughs> Trying to think if I have any exceptions to this, but I would say, I mean, between 90 and 100% of the time, when I have someone who is willing to engage in the process of what it looks like to take their thoughts captive to Christ and what it looks like to um, think upon the things that are going to build into them life instead of destruction and to replace lies with truth and do all these different components of what it is to really. <laughs> It's a beautiful, beautiful process to watch people grow in the ability to think well mm. and therefore experience the positive changes of what that looks like. So last question, what do you, and then you can say whatever you want. What do you, what do you say to the person who says it's always sin to take medication for anxiety? I've never heard an actually good argument for that. I too, I think as you've heard, have a lot of hesitations about medication and the mm. way that it's administered and the way that it is managed and the way that it is given out. But I don't think that that is the medication's fault. I think that is a user fault. And so I would love to hear any kind of great examples that, of what that looks like or arguments, I guess. The Bible repeatedly talks about our responsibility to care for our bodies. And we do it in a myriad of ways with all sorts of healthcare interventions that I really think that in the time and age that we're living in are um, something we still have to steward well and we have to be wise about. But at the same time, they are blessings for being able to overcome things that seek to steal, kill, and destroy us. And so I don't think that anxiety is any different. I don't think anxiety is just a disease that is to be medicated and neither is depression. I think that they are an interweaving right, of our mental health and our heart and our thoughts and the way that things all come to be. Mm. But so I do get a little nervous when people look at anxiety as a pure medical disease. I've yet to see a case where that is just 100% true. Although I've seen many people whose physical bodies are failing them for one reason or another, and it just intensifies the experience of anxiety unbearably so and kind of gives them a burden that is very physical compared to even cognitive. Yeah. So final words, it's a big subject. It is. It's hard for me to talk about it because it is so personalized. But I think if you, it's something that you struggle with, anxiety, it is something that before it gets to a place where it is just owning you, I always encourage people, please just invite other people in who have a wise perspective on this. People who have walked the road before at the least, if not at the most, also your healthcare professional and also a counselor, a counselor who loves Jesus and loves his word and knows the ins and outs of anxiety. Sometimes I watch anxiety now like it's a, um, a character in the story, and I've gotten mm. to know a lot of the way that it tends to work. I know the way it moves. I know the way that it just seeks to destroy, and it's a very familiar character. And so 
getting to talk with a counselor who knows anxiety, which pretty much many counselors who love Jesus and are professional counselors, we anxiety is something that shows up all the time. It's something that we've gotten to know very well in the way that it seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, yeah, just to be able to invite people into this before it tries to take over you. Anxiety is something that the more you feed it, um, the bigger it grows. And so, but it works the opposite too. The less we feed it, the more that we can try to starve it out, mm. the quicker that it also shrinks and loses ground in our hearts and in our minds. Yep. Well, I appreciate, I know it's a, a heavy, thick subject, very personal. It's hard because you don't want somebody to take something you're saying and, and uh, misapply it to themselves, you uh, know? And Please don't. Yep. So I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate your clarity and I uh, appreciate that you were with us for the last three days. So I want to invite you, our listeners, back next time when Pastor Craig Jarvis will be back with us. And we're going to be talking about cults. The question for next time is this, what is a cult? How do we know what that is? And I think you're going to be uh, greatly encouraged and informed by our discussion. See you then.